because these initiatives are going to be what moves your campus to this trauma responsive culture. It's super important. It's about creating an environment where everyone is not only aware of what it means to be actively engaged and in supporting those affected by trauma, but it's creating an environment where you are trauma sensitive and responsive and the culture across the campus is one that everyone can buy into. Welcome to the Society's Child podcast, where we have real conversations about being a trauma responsive educator in the midst of a significant mental health crisis. Hi, I'm Trish Senzak, a former educator, compassion advocate, and Jesus lover, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Are you feeling confuzzled about your students' behavior and needs? You're not alone. If trauma-informed strategies leave you wondering, what's next? Don't worry. My friend, I've been there too. As a foster mom and a child of complex trauma mixed with my experience as a teacher, it's led me to finding a compassionate, whole child approach that's evidence-based, practical, and transformational, and I'm so eager to share it with you. Whether you want to connect with your students on a deeper level, create a trauma-sensitive environment, or you just need a little bit of encouragement or support, you're in the right place. So grab a drink, a pen, or your earbuds, and let's work together to create a safe and student-attuned, trauma-responsive school culture. Society's children need you, so let's get started. Hey friends, we are here on episode number three and today we're going to talk to you about how you can be a change maker. I want to encourage you and empower you to really think about how you can be trauma responsive. I want to encourage you to unearth the power within you to really make change in the space where you are on your educational campus. I want you to think about how you can bridge that gap between being trauma aware or trauma informed and crossing over into being a trauma responsive educator and having trauma responsive practices on your campus. That's what I want to talk about today. So I'm hoping that you will find some nuggets that will help you feel empowered to step out and take action. But first, I want to go back and talk to you a little bit about my healing journey. Now, when I was younger, I thought when I started therapy, I was about 19 or 20. I was very young and therapy had hardly been heard of at that time. But I can tell you there was something so refreshing and so encouraging and empowering to know that there were other groups of people going through the same thing I was going through. In fact, when I started therapy, I thought I was the only person. I was going through what I was going through. I didn't think there was anybody else out there. Of course, therapy wasn't talked to or talked about during that time. In fact, it even got a bad rap when I started. People thought it was just head shrinking, as some people called it. But I can tell you there was something refreshing to know, that when someone got me, someone saw me, healing became a real thing. It's about the connection. And I believe that our students need to feel this too. And that's why this is this whole mission is important and why I'm doing this podcast. And only God knows where this is going to lead and what is in store for 
where this is going to take off to go. I have no idea. It might fall flat on its face for all I know. And I'm okay with that too because I really just feel that the few things that I want to encourage educators about, I really feel that they're important because our students can feel this connection when we get on board with them. We can be that bridge to their healing. And we can be that light that leads them to the place where they can get the help, the resources that they need. And sometimes it's just a little bit of someone holding their hand to that safe space where they know that they can be seen and heard. Now, when I was in about ninth grade, I think it was, I maybe 10th grade, maybe even 11th, who knows? <laughs> you know how memory goes at this age and stage. But I remember in high school, Right after the show, something about Amelia had come out and it was an ABC thing. I think, I don't know what network it was on, but I do remember that it was a follow-up episode of Oprah when she had talked about it one afternoon and that I went somehow, and I think it was that night they were going to air it or something, but somehow the combination of Oprah and the something about Amelia had come out and my heart knew at that time that what was going on in my life at home and the secret that I had been carrying was super important that I needed to tell somebody. And I don't know if it was the next day or very soon after that, but it was heavy on my heart that I needed to share that with someone. And I went in to find my counselor and I did try to tell her, I did try to pour my heart out. And I don't remember how awkward I came across. I remember being very nervous. I remember not being able to get the words out. So I'm not even sure how I told her the story. But I thought when I left that office that I had really said to her what had happened. And I may have even referred to the show or was trying to hint her. I don't exactly know how clear I was. But she didn't pick up on the signs. She didn't say anything, never called me back, and kind of just brushed me off out of her office. And I don't even know if she really heard me that day. And we'll never know if she heard me. But I know that it's still very tender inside of me because it was a big risk for me to go to somebody and tell them something very big that was going on in my family and then still not be heard. And I believe that today this very thing is still happening. Kids are coming to us with their signs, with their behaviors, with their um, awkwardness, with their um, unappreciativeness and with all kinds of things. They're trying to tell us what's going on with them. And we as educators are doing a great job becoming trauma-informed. And I think as a previous educator, I want to tell you that there's no blame for not getting it. We, and I'm going to say you, because you have no time right now that's extra. Um, perhaps you've had a time in your life when maybe you didn't feel heard or seen, or maybe you just tried to tell somebody and nobody will, nobody listened to you. It's tough as a teacher to even have that sense of like, when am I able to pick up on this? When am I able to see the signs and discern whether they're struggling? When do I know if they're trying to tell me something? As educators, it's tough. T-O-U-G-H. There is a lot on your plates. There are demands for the curriculum. I don't have to go through all of the different things that are on your plates. You know. And you're emotionally full. You go home with these kids every night. So I know there's roadblocks. 
I know where you are and I know that you're struggling with this, but you wouldn't be listening today if there was something that wasn't spurring you on to try to do something different, try to find some kind of understanding of how you can do something different. And I believe in my heart of hearts that in the last few years, many years now, school administrators and school districts and governments or the powers that be, whoever they might be, have been great about getting our educators trauma-informed. I think almost to the point where a lot of educators are like, ah, another workshop, another training. Um, But in speaking to educators and talking to people and really just trying to understand where they are, the things that I've heard about the next steps, it's like, okay, I'm trauma-informed or I get this class, but I don't know what to do with it next. Um, I don't have any time to do that. I don't get any administrative support or I don't have enough resources to implement this or I'm not quite sure how that fits in my classroom or there's no funding to really help me add that extra space or do that extra thing. And sometimes there's really no movement in the school setting. And so the the teachers are left with this trauma-informed stuff as just another file of another workshop that they've done and then there's no follow-up on it. And so these are the things that I've actually heard from real live instructors and educators in the classroom and administrators. They're just sitting with this information. So this kind of spurred me on to kind of think about how can we create change makers? There's all this kind of information out there. How can we create a movement where people are taking this trauma-informed information and doing something hardcore with it? I think we just need a quick review of what what I'm talking about, the difference between trauma-informed versus trauma-responsive. Trauma-informed is the movement that's been going on right now is where we're trying to create an environment in our schools and on our educational campuses that just recognize that there is a widespread impact of trauma. And we're helping educators understand exactly how it manifests in individuals. And we're trying to emphasize the importance of creating a safe and supportive space, basically that considers that potential trauma history of those that are involved with it. So for example, we might, we might have workshops, we might have the understanding of the triggers and the responses associated with trauma, and just basically adjusting their approach or discipline, just adjusting the way that they teach. Now being trauma responsive takes it a little bit further and it's actively incorporating some of these practices in the classroom or putting in policies or interventions in place. It goes beyond and it's basically involves a proactive approach to addressing some of these effects. So we might now have specific programs or interventions designed to support kids with trauma or have counseling services or peer support groups and mindfulness. But blending the trauma informed and blending the trauma responsive strategies is infusing it. Infusing that understanding, infusing that awareness of trauma into some proactive strategies and interventions. So we're actively integrating the trauma aware procedures in all aspects of the organization structure, not just one little thing, one teacher here or there, one guidance place that they can go, but the whole campus is responsive. So basically it's a blended approach for the whole campus to be involved. So The same language is spoken from one classroom to the administrative office, to the guidance office, to the secretary, everybody is, it's an organizational structure and culture. It's a blended approach 
So the training for all staff, for secretaries, maintenance, everybody, they get that same implementation of all the targeted responsive programs, basically tailored to meet specific needs of the community. Now, I'd like to pause here for a second and kind of, if you've never researched the ACEs, and I could probably do another podcast on this another day, but I truly believe that humans in general, there are so many statistics out there, and maybe I could do some research and figure out a way to do an episode on that, but I really want to digest here for a minute and talk about the impact of trauma, not just being for a handful of kids in our classrooms that walk across our educational campuses, but I also want us to think about how many of our educators have lived with trauma all their life and some have done something about it some have gotten help some are unaware some are so proactive they've walked a major healing journey but we're dealing with trauma across the board for all humans and many of us have been affected by it and many of us have been blessed to live lives where we have no idea what it looks like so i want to recognize the fact that we're not just talking about trauma with our students we're also tra- talking about trauma and humans and educators, administrators, and everybody else as well, because trauma can definitely trigger other traumas. And so I really want to encourage us that as we think about this, it's not just for a few select kids that might have a few behavior problems. This is across the board, and this is where I really want to approach this, that the strategies that we're using for these kids we're also able to use for adults. We're able to use and think about this scientifically for humans in general. We have such a neurodiverse population. We have such a a set of diversity out there and people have been dinged all over the place. Whether our parents have done a great job or not, we've all got something that has dinged us somehow. And I really want that to kind of sink in from where we are, where we're headed. I have a challenge for educators that has three actionable items that I really want you to take away today that really puts you in the change maker category. And these are just the first baby steps, but this would get you thinking of, okay, how do I take this one step further? So let's start with this. You've had an in-service workshop. You've had a training. You've had an after-school meeting and you've had a couple hours of training, or maybe you've gone through and you've gotten some major hours in-service hours so that you now have been trauma-informed and you have that training. So my first action step is this. Really let that training sink in. Don't just take it and put that information into a folder and go, yeah, yeah, I'm trauma-informed. I really want to encourage you to implement one thing from that training that someone recommended. Where can you apply that to your classroom? Where can you apply that to your administrative work? Where can you apply that in your Um, assistance in the classroom when you're working with someone or on the campus. Maybe you don't have a classroom full of kids, but you're working with kids out in the grand scheme of things. Where can you personally take one of these techniques and implement it into your role on your campus in your situation? That's tiny. Just start there with you. If that's all you have the capacity for, find one thing that you can do that works in your world. Number two, is to get on a committee that's responsible for advising those implementing these proactive support structures. So if you can get on a committee, most campuses these days, and if you don't have one, start one. Go to your administration. If you're the administration, find someone that you know has a heart for this. There is someone on your campus that has a heart 
for those who are hurting. Find that person to create a community and get a committee going and then develop something. So for example, you might develop a referral system for students who might benefit, benefit from additional support. Um, this committee might be responsible for implementing um, trauma responsive counseling services with the school. Some of these things are already in place. Find something new that this committee can work on to take your campus to the next level. What else needs to happen so that you can start the ripple effect so that this trauma responsive environment is taking over the whole campus? Super important that it's buy-in from everybody because if we don't have buy-in and we've got naysayers, we have to figure out maybe that's something that the committee can work on. What is it? How do we get that? How do we get 100% buy-in on that? Okay, so the third thing I want to encourage you with is be the voice. So if you don't have a team at your school or you know that this is close to your heart and you're trying to figure out how to do it, I want to encourage you to start or join a team at your school or be the person that's the advocate for a trauma responsive culture. Super important to be an advocate. Every campus needs the advocate. Every person, every campus needs the person that they can turn to, to be this person that is going to integrate or be responsible for helping get these trauma-informed practices into the school policies and into the procedures. They need someone to turn to that's going to be the leader that's going to help foster this culture of empathy and understanding and new perspective because there's a lot of staff that they're not buying in on this. And so how are we going to do that? Someone has to be the start of it. And I would encourage you to seek feedback from the community, from the parents, from the students, from the staff, from the educators, from the administrators, from outside resources. Seek the feedback from your community to constantly improve these responsive strategies. Because these initiatives are going to be what moves your campus to this trauma-responsive culture. It's super important. It's about creating an environment where everyone is not only aware of what is actively engaged, what it means to be actively engaged and in supporting those affected by trauma, but it's creating an environment where you are trauma-sensitive and responsive and the culture across the campus is one that everyone can buy into. I believe that educators can certainly create a safe environment and it doesn't always require significant adjustments to the curriculum that our educators are teaching. Let them teach what they're doing. There's a few things that they could add to it or add to their methods or, you know, update and, and so on. And there are little things that they could be doing. And I want to offer just one tiny little thing. And it's might seem like it's one of those tried things or whatever, but and maybe people won't buy into this because they feel like they're, it's a little woo or something, but I believe that this one practice can be something that we can get educators to do, even if it's not used as the word mindfulness. But the actionable that I, tip that I want to give you today is to incorporate a mindfulness practice. So for example, you introduce your lesson with a breathing exercise, and maybe you just say to the students, let's all be here today. Let's just come in and put any nerves about this class, about the quiz, about the subject, about your homework. Let's just put them on a shelf and let's just take a few minutes to just come in and center ourselves. I see you. I see that you're nervous. I see that you're worried. Maybe you didn't have time to study. 
This could be as simple as a two-minute deep breathing exercise, just as a two-minute acknowledgement, just doing it during attendance or doing it just as a moment to orient the class as a way to say, let's all come in here, let's settle our nervous systems, let's regulate together, and let's get centered on class. doesn't take that much. It's just a mindfulness practice. It's just something super simple. And again, that can look different for every single educator. And administrators can do the same thing in the middle of a meeting. A student comes into your office. You might have a student that's got a big behavior, a big situation. And just taking a moment to just center on, let's think about where you are, let's think about where I am, and let's just calm and regulate together. Doesn't mean that we're calm, but it means we're regulating and just trying to bring the situation down and diffuse it and get everybody's central nervous systems kind of back and regulated again. And this is effective. Why is this effective? Because it helps students center themselves. All we're trying to do is get them to reduce their stress, improve their focus, and it sets a positive tone for the moment. And I think that's super important. And I think these actions, though relatively quick, they can implement really a safe space in the classroom. They can help the campus or any meeting that you're having, even if it's between a teacher and administrator. It just shows a little bit of of a supportive environment, a supportive moment. And it focuses on the emotional well-being of those present. And then it helps with a positive relationship between the two. We can all start small just by infusing and actively integrating any of these trauma-informed strategies and turn them into and integrate them with trauma-aware practices. And really and put it into all aspects of the organization structure. And then it creates this blended culture that's trauma responsive. And it goes from the, it takes it like we do with our students. It takes it from the level of learning to the level of applying. When we're not just saying, yes, we're trauma informed, when we're actually applying the principles, making every student feel safe, every student feel connected and everybody being regulated and ready to learn or ready to be there and be them, be their best self then we have a higher level of learning. And that's what we want is application. So my friends, if you can get yourself to that level and you can step out and be the change maker that your school needs, you're ready. And that's what I want to do is I really want to empower you and encourage you to be that person to step up. And just to review real quick, if you're just new at this, number one is really let the training, the trauma-informed training sink in. Just digest it and find one tiny thing you can put in, into place in your classroom. Number two, if you're a little bit braver or you want to take a little bit more action, go get on a committee that's responsible for advising those that are implementing these, these uh, support structures. Go be part of the voice. And if you're on a campus where there's nothing or they need someone to step up, be the voice. That's number three. Start a team, join a team, be the person, advocate, do whatever you can to move your campus to a trauma-responsive culture. It's the actionable steps that do this. I believe it can be done. And remember, it's about creating that environment where every child feels safe, they feel seen and connected, and they can come to school and be regulated and feel like if they're having a big day, they will be in a safe place where they can regulate and be there and be focused on learning. After all, isn't that our goal? Great then I want to see you out there making some changes. Until next time, my friend, I'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now.
Hey, amazing educators. Thanks for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave a review. Even better, share this episode with a colleague. And hey, I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can even join my Facebook group for some extra support and a dash of inspiration. I've left all the links in the show notes. Until next time, my friend, remember, you're not alone on this journey. You've got this. Keep making a difference and stay teach-tastic.